0: Good morning, Gateway Church. We are a family after God's heart. That statement answers the who question, all right? Who we are. We are a family that cleft K or C, I should spell it right, all right? C cares, L loves, encourages, forgives, and speaks the truth, all right? But what about the what question? What is our mission? What is our vision? What is it that God has called us to do? Well, we are a family that here it is. You've seen it. Wins builds and equips. Those three words answers the what question. So when I say the word win, that word stands in, all right? You see it. What does that word stand in for? It stands in for evangelism. Wins the lost Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. When he called his first disciples to be his disciples, he came down from Nazareth area in Galilee, Upper Galilee, and he came down that, 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 that hill and he came to the Sea of Galilee and there he saw these four fishermen and he called Peter And his brother, Andrew. And they were casting a net. You know, it wasn't like this, but it was similar. They were casting a net right over the boat in the shallows. And sometimes that's how they fished. And they were bringing in the fish. And Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. His brothers are not their brothers, but James and John. They were brothers. They were in the boat. They were mending the net. And he said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. So Jesus has called us to be about his business, and that is to win the lost. You know, this net doesn't exist for itself. It exists to catch fish. And so we want to ask the Lord, Lord, how can we see more people get saved through the ministry of Gateway Church? I want you to put this date, on your calendar. It's a very important date. It's Sunday, October 15th at 6 p.m. right here. What we're going to do is have our first town hall meeting. You're going to say, well, what's a town hall meeting? Well, that's a meeting where people come and they they interact, they ask questions. And what we're going to do is, is Pastor Joel and I and Nathan and other leaders possibly, but for sure us, we're going to get before you and tell you here's some of the goals as it relates to what it means to win. I'll talk to you a little more about what it means to build and equip. We're going to start talking about strategies and green light ideas and put down some some plans and procedures and say what is God doing here? What are the specifics? And we're going to be taking notes and we're going to be praying. It's going to be exciting. We're not going to win people primarily from Pastor Paul up here on the front. It's going to be all of us writing down some people that are in our sphere of influence saying, what can I do in the next three months, the next six months, the next nine months to build a friendship with them in a way that I can share Christ? And we're going to talk about fishing events that you're going to come up with. It's going to be your ideas, All right. And us together, we're going we're gonna to win people for Christ. Amen? The lost. It's because we want to be fishers of men and people. So write that date, October 15th, on your calendar. Number two, we're a family that builds. Builds the, wo- the body. So the word that stands in for build is this word, discipleship or spiritual growth. And we said last week we believe spiritual growth is done best in a community of believers. We call it fellowship. It's not the only way that I'm going to share with you how we do that here at Gateway Church, but it's the primary way, and that's life groups. We have over 20 life groups. I mean, every single person here wants to get into a body, into a community, into a smaller group of people... You have the opportunity to do that. You can find a life group somewhere that meets at some time during the week, a couple times a month, and that's where we grow together, where we rub shoulders and we encourage one another. We we give people ideas of what the scriptures mean and thoughts. 38 or 40 known new people who have signed up. That was a great report, wasn't it? Great report. And you look around, there's new people just around where you're seated. Many of those people have said, hey, I want to get involved in a life group. So today, we want to look at that third word, all right? The month of September, we've been doing this. The word is equip, equip. So if you want to, to take notes, there's an insert in your bulletin. I encourage you to take that insert out. I tell you, the, the, one of the greatest encourage, encouragements I have on a weekly basis is looking down and seeing my boys take notes. Right on the front row. Ashton and AJ. I mean, they're just, they're just taking notes. They take those notes home, and I look at them and go, wow, I actually said that? Really? I mean, that's... I can learn, and they help me and they encourage me. So they look at these guys. Stand up, all right. Ashton and AJ got new hairdos. Turn around. Hold up that 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 insert, all right. Look at this. And they didn't even know it was coming. But every week they're 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 taking notes, all right. So the subject today is equipping the church, and that's service, all right. The central theme today is. There's joy in serving. You can experience joy in serving God and others by understanding three fundamentals of making disciples. We're going to talk about that today. And there is no greater joy than serving Jesus. The world will tell you, you got to do this, and you got to, you got to do that, and you got to make a lot of money, and you got to make sure your security is... Your, your, Future is secure and all of that. And I, I say that there's no greater joy. Here's the truth. You want the truth? You want the truth. There's no greater joy than serving Jesus. It's discovering that spiritual gift that God has given to you as a Christian. I mean, discovering that gift. We were in our board meeting on, on Tuesday. And I was just sharing the board report, kind of what, what I do, big picture stuff. And we're talking about this wind build equip. And I just, I, I just pointed one person out, and I said, "Hey, your name. Tell me what your spiritual gift is." I mean, I, I didn't. Even, I put him on the spot. What's your spiritual gift? This guy was able to tell me, tell us what his spiritual gift is, and then the million dollar question or the answer was. Where he's, using, where he's using that gift in the body of Christ. always oh, like music to my ears. It's like, my spiritual gift is A, and this is where I'm using it in the body of Christ. And he does so with joy. I'm going to challenge you, and we've done this, but I'm going to continue to challenge you, and I'm going to give you a verse that you know Fairly well if you've been here at Gateway Church. I'm going to give it to you again as we go on. But I want you to know your spiritual gift. And I want you to use it in ministry. And that's going to be part of the town hall meeting. We're going to talking about spiritual gifts and how we discover them and, and use them in ministry. Where's Dick McCormick? Dick and Sandy McCormick. They're probably serving in children's ministry right now. That, that's where they're at, all right? I mean, these guys serve. I mean, I love them. They, they, they roll up their sleeves, get involved. Well, he's teaching a class, all right? If you're going, man, I'm scratching my head. I do not know even where to look in the Bible for spiritual gifts. I don't know what my spiritual gift is, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, you can discover it in this class. Dick and Sandra will help you, all right? It's very, very exciting. So, one of my jobs as a pastor, one of the things on my ministry description, straight from the Bible, is to be an equipper. Where do I read that? Well, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It reads this way So, Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the what? Pastors and teachers. Why did He give the church these offices? So that they can hold a title and have in front of their name senior pastor or lead pastor or whatever title I am, pastor, just pastor. No, it's not for the title. It's to equip the saints for what? For works of service. So if in some measure that if we're if you're not being equipped, for for ministry i mean you need to contact me somehow some and say hey I, you know i just want to pull you aside pastor paul i love you but i i don't feel like i'm being equipped for works of service well i'm going to stop what i'm doing and i'm going to try to help you all right It's one of my, my roles as a pastor. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, what, unity in the faith, that's how it works, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. And he was taking his cues from who? Jesus. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He equipped his disciples to do what he did. I want to take you to the Gospels and I want to take a closer look at Jesus' model of ministry. Right? He had three short years to get his disciples ready for the time that he would no longer be with them. We know that that clock started ticking at his baptism. He was around 30 years old. He was baptized by John the Baptist. You know the story. The Holy Spirit descended upon him, He came out of the waters, and then he began his ministry, his public ministry. He had three years. To do what? To train these 12 guys who didn't know anything about leadership in the church, how to be a true servant leader. They may have had all kinds of other kind of leadership principles, but how to truly serve people and build them up. They were clueless. Jesus begins. So what does he do? Follow me. So the 12 disciples are Appointed. Remember that story? They're appointed. Now, I'm kind of into chronology all of a sudden. After being in, the, in Israel, I'm, I'm kind of into chronology and into geography and topography and all this cool stuff that before, I, you know, I had an understanding, but man, being on, in the land, it's like, man, a light bulb went on. It's like geography and... And chronology is pretty cool because here's what happens. We automatically think, all right, I, at least I did, that when Jesus called the 12 disciples, that it wasn't short, a short time later he sent them Oh, No, 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 no. No, he didn't send them out right away. In fact, he spent like a year and a half doing all the ministry, And all they did was watch Jesus do it, taking notes as he did the ministry. It was a one-man show, Jesus doing the ministry. And at about the 18-month period, all right, three years, you, you got the idea, three years from his baptism to the time he went to the cross, three years, year and a half in, Jesus then what? He does something strategic. He sends the twelve out. Look at this in in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. When Jesus had called the 12 together, they had already been with him. He now, he now what? He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons. Before that, Jesus did all of that. Now one demon was driven out by the disciples before this time to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, here's some instructions. It's what a good equipper does. I'm taking notes on this. I want to be a good equipper. Jesus said, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. I'm sure they're going, man, we could carry her on a little extra cash just in case. So he said, don't take anything. It's like, what kind of leadership is this guy? I don't understand this. This is crazy. Don't ask questions, just do what I say. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people don't, do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they sent, So they sent out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Skip down to verse 10. There's a lot of other good stuff, but skip down. Verse 10. When the apostles returned, I don't know how long they were out, Jesus didn't go with them. Can you imagine the first time they went out? They'd, all they had seen up to that point was Jesus doing everything. He sends them out. I'm, I'm just sure they're just quaking with fear. I don't know how to do this. I want to take my tunic. I want to, you know, have something with me just in case things go wrong. But they're going, he told us not to do any of this stuff. I got to obey the master and man, oh, living, what Jesus did, they're doing. And a week later, or two weeks later, whatever it is, they come back and they report. A little context. Just stay with me for a moment. You're going, I'm into chronology, all right? I'm into some of this stuff, so you've got to hang with me. Like I said, when we come to this point in Luke 9, it's approximately halfway through the three years. Up to this point, Jesus did all the ministry. All the miracles were were miracles that Jesus did. All the messages were messages that Jesus preached. Everything was done by him. It was in every sense a one-man operation, right? All the casting out of the demons, all the resurrecting people from the dead, all the miracles were done by him. And therefore, his ministry was was isolated to wherever he was. I want to show the picture of of Galilee right up here. This is the lake. This is where he called his disciples, right here. This is is Nazareth up in this area. This is Galilee. Jesus, there's many villages in these areas, and it's not plains right here. This is some tough, rugged territory. And Jesus did all the ministry. And then he sends these 12 guys out and they go throughout all of Galilee, right in here, doing what Jesus did. His ministry in Galilee right there in that area was, was nearly over. It's time for him to leave. So he's going to go south, all right? From here, his destination is, is to go south to Jerusalem, but you got to go up to Jerusalem. Before he goes, though, he has to saturate all of Galilee with the good news. He has to diffuse himself. He has to multiply himself to take the gospel to all the towns and villages of Galilee one more time. Maybe to some places for the very first time, and listen, in his humanity, we just think, oh, Jesus could just airspace himself to all of these places, not in his humanity. I mean, he could obviously do miracles and walk on the water, but to infiltrate all of this area with the good news of the gospel, he had to multiply himself. One more blitz, and that's what he does. Now look at what takes place in Luke 10. I love this. From the 12 to now the 72. It's his model. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. They were his forerunners. 72 now. From 12 to 72, he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. That's what I told the 12. The same message is true for you. Do not greet anyone on the road when you enter a house. First, say, Here's the instructions peace to this house. If someone promotes peace, is there. Your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating, drinking, whatever you want, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. Listen now, verse 9. Heal the sick. I thought that was just Jesus' ministry. I thought that was just the 12s. Ministry. Now, Jesus, his strategy is to go from 1 to 12 to 72 to 120 in the upper room to what? The thousands. What did they do? They did it. Verse 17 the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your they reported they did what Jesus said they came back and they reported to Jesus what had happened and their hearts were full of joy it's like they could couldn't contain the joy that was in their heart there's a teachable moment there and he tells them what to be excited about and what not to be excited about but that's another lesson but for us there's three fundamentals of making disciples, and there's joy in it. Fundamental number one, you're endowed by God to serve. This is Jesus' succession plan, and you're a part of it. Maybe turn to your neighbor and say, I- I'm part of Jesus' succession plan. I'm not exempt. There's no exemption. Every single one of us here today is part of his plan. I mean, that model. You see the model. You're endowed. I like that word. We don't use it very often. Our forefathers used it in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are, what, endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. As Christians, we've been endowed with a spiritual gift. And we can take this gift and serve it with joy. Here's a homework assignment. I'm not going to read the scripture. I want you to go home and check it out for yourself. Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. Just look at this verse, this passage, and ask yourself, and if you need help, we got got people here who will help you. What is my motivational gift? And where am I using it to serve God? It's a simple take-home assignment. Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. Fundamental number two, you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit and equipped by the church to serve. These guys couldn't do anything without that power. Right? I mean, they would be healed. No healings. no, No nothing. They couldn't do anything if Jesus hadn't given them what? Authority and power. And he's given us that authority and power as Christians. I pray that we would do a better job equipping you to be involved in ministry. we will talk about that at these town hall meetings going to lay down some objectives and plans and strategies. Fundamental number three, I close with this. You'll be encouraged by the body of Christ to share your testimony of service. We want to just fill this place with testimonies of what God's doing. We're going to close with a real live person other than Pastor Paul sharing a testimony of what God laid on this person's heart to do in ministry. It's going to be awesome. The Apostle Paul followed this pattern. John's coming on up, and I asked, I asked him to, to just share with us a ministry but it's followed after the the pattern that Jesus set forth. They come back, they report. Paul Paul did the same thing in Acts 14, 26. The church in Antioch, you can read the scripture, they sent him out to do ministry. He comes back and he gives them a report. Not only does he go to Antioch, but in chapter 21, verses 17 through 19, he goes all the way to Jerusalem and gives a report. And so I've asked my friend, John Jordan, if he'll give a report. He's married to Michelle. They're fairly new to her body. Been here about a year. And they started this crazy ministry called Share on Sundays. And you've probably been a part of it. There's a grocery cart out in the foyer. And you, we, we just fill it up with groceries and stuff. And John and Michelle, his wife, you know what they do? On th- you know I'm stealing your thunder, right? So, come, John, come on up. Stand beside me. I want you to share with us the report of this cool ministry
1: today. Well, that's quite... Can you hear me? All right. <clears throat> so now I have to have thunder. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I didn't expect to have thunder, man. Um, so we're good back there? All right. Um, well, Pastor Paul asked me this week, um, probably on the most hectic day of my life, <laughs> where he sends me an email, and I wrote back, and I said, not today, just not today. Uh, and uh, so... 2016 was an incredible year for Michelle and I. Uh, We were going along just fine in life. We had lived in our Brooklyn Park home for uh, 23 years and, and a whisper came. And the whisper said, time to move. That's scary, right? So like all of God's plans, though, it was the best thing we ever did. Now there's a lot of miracles that happened in there. Like, uh, one month later, we had a purchase agreement for a home right over here. Uh, a month later, after three days on the market, our house sold. And uh, on August 31st, here we were. And uh, so, uh, God had great plans. So, um, this, is, uh, this is my family. That's my incredible son, Eric, who just had his wedding reception yesterday. My uh, awesome daughter, Allison. Allison. And uh, my bride of a little over 13,000 days. Uh, so if you're adding that up, that's 36 years. Um, a year ago, uh, my daughter gave me this little little lady here. The uh, single most happiest person on the planet, bar none. Uh, I'm going to leave that up there because I know you all like that. Um, and so we, we began attending Gateway uh, sometime in September, right about a year ago. And off and on, we had a few duties to attend to in our Brooklyn Park Church, Uh, so we weren't full-time here. But uh, come uh, last January, we uh, officially became members of the church. Um, You know, joy comes in various ways, right? Um, My grandbaby gives me incredible joy. I mean, she smiles so much that uh, she brings tears to my eyes. But, you know, it comes in various ways, and one of those areas is um, giving and serving, and uh, let me give you a few verses to that effect. The uh, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. How are they blessed? By sharing their food with the poor. Uh, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. And uh, And do not forget to give and to share with others for such sacrifices. God is pleased. God is pleased, right, when we share. So... Maybe five or six years ago, I had uh, a pastor who um, uh, brought this uh, um, sermon series that was incredible. It, it stays with me today. Hmm. Excuse me. And it was about how evangelical churches often have this um, fear of, of going, working outside the church, of being part of their community. Uh, not a social gospel. We're not talking about that sort of thing. But we're talking about clear biblical ideas of serving outside of the walls of our church. Jesus gave us gave us the example, right? He fed the five thousand before he taught them. So it, it, it ingrained in me the idea that before we can care for the soul, we have to care for the person. And that's where Sharon Sundays came from. Um, you know, I started to think about this idea. Imagine if every family at Gateway, I don't know how many families we have, let's say it's 100. If every family at Gateway brought one or two items every week, we would fill that cart to overflowing, right? Now imagine if every evangelical church in Elk River did the same thing, hundreds of families. We would fill pickup trucks full of food that care would be able to use. And I got a little crazy, and I started to think, what if every evangelical church in Elk River and Monticello and Princeton and Zimmerman and Rogers and Otsego and Big Lake did the same thing? Care and other food shelves around here would never want for food, and the reputation of Christians in our communities would change forever, right? We would look like people who care about people who are around us. So... God whispered this idea. I, uh, I described it to Pastor Paul. I met with Pastor Joel, and they were incredibly receptive to the idea. And that's where we started the ministry. And so, joy comes from serving, and it comes in other ways. Let me uh, let me show you some pictures of some people who, uh, as they bring food uh, on Sundays, you can see the smiles on their faces. Uh, especially that one uh, of of serving just in little ways. So every Thursday, my wife Michelle and I, we, you know, we 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 take the food with us. Maybe on Monday we'll stop and pick it up, and on Thursdays we go to care at six o'clock on the dot, and we go to the back door and they open the door. We we buzz the bell. And they open the back door. Usually it's Heather, who's the operations manager. And you've met Heather. She was here in July. She's, uh, uh, she, she stood right over here. And, uh, and she comes to the door, and she comes with a smile on her face, and she says, I come running because I know who it is. Care knows who Gateway Church is. And the staff know to expect us at 6 o'clock on Thursdays. And she starts sorting through the foods and and she gets really excited and she says, wow, chunky soup, cake mix. Now, I've never been excited about chunky soup or cake mix. But she's incredibly excited because these are foods that they don't normally get to offer the people who are there. So when you put a a can of chunky soup in the cart out in the lobby, you're not just dropping off some random can of soup. That can of soup is somebody else's miracle. That person that takes that can of soup home did so because they didn't have anything else themselves. Your family connected with them. Your family connected with people of care. And you were a blessing to someone in need, and I guarantee you they're thankful for it. God blesses your actions even with a can of chunky soup. So I can't tell you how important it is. Before we care for the soul, we have to care for the person. Amen. So remember to share on Sundays.
0: Amen. John, stay right here. I'm going to ask if uh, one of those guys back there will grab that, that grocery cart, alright? Bring that up. I, I just want, I want to close by, by you guys seeing this, this grocery cart and uh, I think it's a great uh, visual. Alright? So if you haven't seen it, and here it is. This is, this is a simple ministry that, uh, that John and his wife Michelle started And you've heard of CARE, the local food shelf in Elk River. It's been around a long, long time. We want you to, you know, bring stuff that the Lord lays on your heart, fill this shopping cart up, and these guys take it over on a weekly basis. And this is cool. This is a great report. This is what it means to be equipped by the church to do works of service. So I just want to say, John, thank you. Michelle, thank you so very much of leading this ministry and being an example for all of us. Amen? Amen. John, stand with me. Let's pray together. Please stand, if you will. Please stand with me. Lord, there's no greater joy than serving you, Jesus. You sent the 12. You sent the 72. Holy Spirit, you set apart the 120. Jesus, Jesus, your succession plan doesn't exclude us. It includes us. And so I pray, Lord, that we would get more involved in your ministry. Thank you for John and Michelle and their leadership. Thank you for people who give on a regular basis to meet real needs in our community. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Send us out, Lord with a baptism, a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.